sir. That's him. He's the one. He's the one who killed her. Of course he is. We know that. <laughs> Episode of the Agency Podcast. Eugene here, your agent in Toronto. I hear it's snowy Toronto. It is. <laughs> Yesterday we had the biggest snowstorm in many years. Yes. Yeah. One foot, 40 centimeters for Canadians. Something like that. I yeah. would say around here, 12, 13 inches, something like wow. that. Wow. Well, and this is Candy in Chicago. No snow right now. Leftover snow, a, a half an inch. <laughs> Oh, lucky you. It's cold. It's cold. How's things going? Besides all the shoveling and everything. Well, I was thinking, you know, I started down this crazy path to try to make a fiddle. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to do it in a painting studio that's not really set up for woodworking. And like you could imagine, no, you can't even imagine what a makeshift bench I have oh, dear. Uh, that involves like a Canadian tire folding table. It's, it's, <laughs> it's not good. But, uh, you know, we have a room upstairs that we've been using for painting storage, mm-hmm. and we don't need all of it for painting storage anymore. So we took some of those storage racks down, and Sheila's going to move her office in there. Oh. And I'm using the wood from the storage racks to make a better bench so I can organize my stuff better so I'm not always tripping over myself well that sounds good yeah yeah a little space down there with all the work that's going to be entailed is a good idea it's a good idea yeah for sure so I was going to go to home home depot or someplace like that to get uh to to get a, a, a some tops yesterday but yesterday there was no going anywhere (laughs) really i I mean driving was just a a silly idea i heard that there's up to 350 to 400 streetcars jammed on the streets uh you see them and buses just pulled over plowed Mm. in Mm. i saw one on lakeshore today plowed in completely Mm -hmm. just just oh too much too fast now i was very fortunate uh yesterday because when i went out to shovel um i moved cars back on the driveway right out to to sticking its nose out onto the the roadway Mm -hmm. and that way i could shovel the driveway above Mm -hmm. and as soon as i did that who should come around the corner but mr snowplow guy Mm -hmm. and he's happily plowing in everybody's driveway Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's coming closer to me and I'm thinking oh my god he's just going to take the end of the car off yeah. uh, but I didn't have time to move it and instead he just lifted up his blades and went around it and <laughs> he didn't he didn't uh, plow me in it was beautiful good so, good very good small victories small victories in a lost war <laughs> yeah yeah for sure 
Um, well, I, I've been doing an ongoing tidying up and some purging, but just making things tidy and putting them in cute places and, you know, sort of ongoing with that, interspersed with working on my paper, which I will say maybe I'm two thirds of the way through now. So what you're saying is you're doing the other stuff to avoid working on your paper. You would think so, but it's not, you know, I really am into it. This is the most fun I've had writing a paper in all the years I've been doing it. Um, I don't know why I'm enjoying it. I always avoid the exciting work. I know I do too. Um, What, what's happened though, is that I just felt like I had, there were things just bothering me and I really had already been on this path. I should have probably cleaned up the, tidied up the front room. It's not just clean. It's really getting rid of odd pieces of paper. I don't know where do all these pieces of paper come from? <laughs> well, I know when 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 Columbo said something's bothering me, it always led to the truth. So you, yes. you need to do it. Go for yes, it. Yes, that's true. But yeah, I did it. T- you know, I took breaks. You know, I'm really, really enjoying the book of the week. This week is a feast of words and it's banquets and table talk in the Renaissance. And it's really good. It's almost it reminds me of Margaret Visser. I don't know if you've read Margaret Visser or not. Oh, she's just a fantastic Canadian. She calls herself the anthropologist of daily life. And she used to write for, she used to have a little article, I think in Saturday Night Magazine. And um, she has a rituals of dinner, much, much ado about nothing. So I can't remember the title, but there are always things like the history of the Christmas tree, the history of a fireplace, why Mm -hmm. we put stockings on it, um, the, the corn and flour and, potatoes in the rituals of much depends on dinner i think every she does a dinner she does the chicken the corn the potatoes the dessert i think each so each chapter is that she's just absolutely de- delightful and she is still alive she's been working for a long long time and um, i noticed that she had a book i hadn't read so that when i get finished this that's what i'm going to do next is, uh, is read this book of hers that's this newer one that she has and so anyway it's just super delightful it goes through table manners and it really is a feast of words it's like it's comparing um that you've got to have that conversation while you eat and there was always manners there was always a lot of manners um even in medieval times you know how you think of eating that big piece of chicken with your hands right right there, there were there was all sorts of decorum but it got a little bit more um a little, a little bit more or it evolved in some way during the Renaissance. So he's comparing that to having good conversation and that you put the food in your mouth and you've had the words that are also nutritional for the mind and spirit. Ah, I see, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's really a lot of fun. I'm just enjoying it. So I don't wanna tear myself away from all this. And in fact, I probably started really working on my paper just so I could get back to read. <laughs> I kind of have the part about food at the very end of my paper. So I've written all the other topics that I have in there. So, or gone through them a bit. So that's what I've been doing. And I've watched a lot of stuff as well. See, getting, watching the stuff really gives me a break. Oh yeah, the stuff. Sure. The stuff. The stuff. On the streaming. On the streaming, on the streaming machines. machines. Yeah. So I did catch up with you a bit. I watched, speaking of orderly objects in my house, I watched the French Dispatch. Ah, yes, indeed. Oh my goodness. I absolutely loved it. I knew you would love that movie. Yeah, it is difficult because it's nonlinear, but I happen to be nonlinear uh-huh. and I happen to, 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 to prefer to be non-duality, non-polarity. So I really enjoyed it. It's five sections of the story. There were parts where it was a little bit like, oh, I can't change gears. I can't change gears right now. But it was good. I think it was good for the brain. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And then I couldn't help, sorry, sorry, to just enjoy my house more. 
because it's such a, a um, it's such a cute movie about offices and spaces and how we store things and where we put things. That's mm-hmm. a big part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I I saw it some time ago, and yeah. the funny thing about it is, I couldn't tell you if you asked me for a synopsis of the stories, mm-hmm. aside from understanding and remembering that it's it's about this magazine that's kind of like the new yorker and all these quirky people who are involved with it i couldn't tell you the stories yeah i've completely forgotten them yeah and is that my is that me or is that the filmmaker or a little bit of both yeah i I don't don't know it's funny because in a weird way the stories are sort of important and sort of not because first of all it's really Hmm. about being in that world i think um and I just watched it, so it's going to be easier for me to remember. Well, two of them stand out. The one about the artist and mm-hmm. the one about, um, oh, I just went blank. I'm so sorry. About the chef. Uh, and, oh, I like the bicyclist. I, it was a really super, the one about the bicycle was super, super short. So it starts yes. out with a little bit about the magazine. I thought that was actually the best one. Yeah, that was a really good one. Um, So there's five parts. The one is about the magazine itself. And you see everybody, you know, who doesn't love a newsroom in a movie? I love a newsroom in a movie. It's it's not exactly a hard-boiled newsroom. No, it's not at all. And um, I keep finding, it's true, everybody keeps saying it's like The New Yorker. Well, what else is like The New Yorker? The Baffler, McSweeney's, Harper's. So sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there are a number of... What I liked about that part of it and that it I, I think the reason why we yeah. we say it's like the New Yorker is because the people who are publicizing the film told mm-hmm. us that it's like yes, the New Yorker. Yes, they do. Yes, they and do. And so and so we humbly obey our masters in Hollywood and yeah. that's what we think. Yeah, and I think it's unfortunate they really should say that there was there was any number of those types of magazines out in the world and that's yeah. also I mean, plus a certain about. visual style. Oh, the visual style for sure is one thing rooted in nostalgia and then the nostalgia of a certain type of publication where it's whimsical eccentric and you travel all over the place much like this movie um so it, it also made me i guess what was bittersweet for me was seeing all these little stories these 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 little news stories one's about the life of a chef and a kidnapping and and alludes to james baldwin the writer and it's played by the incredible jeffrey wright who is amazing in everything. He played basket. He's in um, Westworld. Um, he's just so good. And I think he's in a spy film we saw too. Uh, and then the other one about the bicyclist, he's just taking care of this one little town or telling us about it. It's all street, street walkers and drinking. And it's, it has no elevated culture apparently, but they still publish it and it's great. And, and Owen Wilson's very good in it, isn't he? He's adorable. Yes, he is. He is yeah. good in it. Yeah. I mean, he's generally likable in everything. He is. He is. So what I guess what what made me sad is that you just think of the news we've had in the last few years, at least here in the States. This was so refreshing to think that news can be something different. Mm. It's human interest news. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I found bittersweet. And I couldn't help but think perhaps the filmmaker was really, you know, embracing that it just seems worse. You might have been nostalgic about it 10 years ago, but now you're like, ugh. Why can't it be like this? I just mm-hmm. want to read about a chef and a kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And um, the wonderful Tilda Swinton, who I live for, 
is in this movie. She's just amazing. And she has quite the outfit, doesn't she? She looks a bit like Nancy Reagan married to Margaret Thatcher, but artsy. Yeah, that describes it. Yeah. So that story, I would have thought you would like that story because it's really about the um, corporate takeover of, of the art and the artist. You know, I just found that I forgot them very quickly. Yeah, That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they didn't resonate with me for very long. Yeah. Uh, I think the ambiance of the film resonated with me a mm-hmm. lot longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will stay with me too. I just, you know, like I said, I walk around my house afterwards and go, oh my God, it's so cute in here. It's just like the, the French dispatch <laughs> with little stacks of books and curios. And um, the best part is it's kind of some of the, colors in that movie too and then it went to black and white so it was very strange very strange movie yeah quirky very quirky Quirky. Mm -hmm. um by a guy who sort of made his reputation for being quirky absolutely that's kind of what he does right yeah yeah it's like when neil young's things flat i (laughs) i I heard him somewhere i might have been like we are the world or something and the producer was was trying to get him to sing on pitch and that would be david foster (laughs) yeah i guess and and he and neil's like so maybe not it's it's my style, man. I know. Well, it is kind of a style. <laughs> anyway, never mind. It just yeah. Just I digress. That. Yeah, yeah. So I very much enjoyed it. I would highly recommend it. But you know, with people, just remember it's non-linear. It's 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 uh, it's kind of a bit. You know what? There's a show on TV. Um, Vanity Fair has had some great crime stories over the years um they just do it very very well where they'll talk about a famous murder or something well i guess at some point about five years ago or so they just did vanity fair confidential and they they filmed these articles so this felt a little bit like it because it had the text in it it had you know um headlines it had magazine kind of collage in it and this movie really reminded me of uh, vanity fair confidential (laughs) Hey, I want to give a stock tip. Oh, you do? <laughs> okay, I'm ready. I know that's crazy, right? I'm going to get my Bitcoin out, my uh, my crypto. Yeah, you page. get your Bitcoin ready. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I believe the company that owns Frito Lay is PepsiCo. Buy stock in PepsiCo. Okay. All right. Why? Because I just read this headline: mm-hmm. Cannabis compounds prevented COVID infection in oh, a lab right. study. Yes, I've heard that too. So if this is true, there is going to be a run on munchies. <laughs> Good for I'm you. Just I love it. That's how you should look at stocks. That's exactly it. That's I think that's how it works. <laughs> anyway, that's my my only stock tip forever. Yeah, I haven't updated my um, cash app or anything lately. I've, I've retired my business from being a stock. Hey, I heard a rumor investor. you were going to go out and see Macbeth. I did see Macbeth. I didn't go anywhere. I went oh, to Apple. I saw it on Apple TV. Ah. Yeah. Wow. I loved it. It's beautiful, huh? Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. It really was beautiful. And you know what was really special about it was that it was filmed like it was on a stage with the minimalism of stage work. And yet it was very visually satisfying. Every Every frame. It was one of those films in which every frame was very, very carefully placed, mm-hmm. um, much like French Dispatch. Yes, yes. Um, I would say they they share that in, in common. Yes. Um, as well, the 
the visuals they're almost noir in in Macbeth mm -hmm. and beautiful just stunning use of of black and white oh yeah uh, really absolutely gorgeous and you're seeing two people at the top of their game I guess so. Huh? I just yeah. love Denzel Washington yeah. and Frances McDormand. And to see them be able to pull this off, that is not easy to do. And you know what? Most of the script, most of the dialogue I was able to follow. Now I cheated because I just read Macbeth last month, one week at a, you know, I did an act every week, remember? Um, yeah. So I had a familiarity with it, but it, I don't know. For me, I, I never feel entirely familiar with Shakespeare because he's so mysterious and the language is so poetic. Yes. Uh, and, it, yeah. That's exactly it. The language is poetic and the language can be difficult, but I found that there was no point in it in which I didn't understand exactly what was going Me on. Me too. Me too. I mean, I, I know the story, but, but clearly um, I, I could follow everything and the mood and the feeling throughout um, without in, any any difficulty mm -hmm. and and how about the weird sister well you know at first I really was resistant I was kind of pissed off there weren't three of them and then of course there were three of them uh -huh, it exactly. just wasn't going to be three how I expected uh, yeah it was, yeah I thought they was, did an incredible incredible job. And, and it was she apparently improvised that it's it's incredible. I don't know what kind of a human body she has. She, <laughs> she was definitely a contortionist, and um, apparently a very well known Shakespeare actor. Very, you know, all her life, and wow. I guess this is probably. I think I think that's what I read about her a while ago. And at the time, I hadn't realized it was just going to be cast one. But the way that they created the um, cauldron. And the, mm. the, the, the mood of the cauldron, the, the blood dripping in very different ways. This was so beautifully done. And it's, it's, you know what? It just made me happy about art because yeah, they yeah, exactly. So many and if, if you said, uh, tell me about the film in one word, all I, all I would, would say is beautiful. Yeah. It really is just yes. everything about it is really beautiful. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a part of me that doesn't want to watch Shakespeare, that resists Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. uh, but still, it was beautiful. It was just <laughs> yeah. thoughtful, beautiful, passionately done. Yeah, um, I agree. And and as a little bit of time has passed, that one, I think about much, much more than French Dispatch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a feeling that maybe... You know, French Dispatch reminds me of all the movies I loved when I was 18. Um, and it just has that quality of youth about it. And I think it has that quality that when you're young, you really are looking to, to find meaning in objects and, and objects mean so much to you that I think that that really pulled on my heartstrings. I, I really liked, I liked the aesthetic so much in it. Um, I also was very curious about the painters. They did have real painters do that artwork. Um, oh, yeah. the, 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 I, I really like the artwork in it. Um, it. It's set in a prison slash asylum and the murderer is the artist. And they hired, um, one of the artists they hired was Sandro Kopp, who is a partner to Tilda Swinton. So they've got quite a good thing going on there. <laughs> I love it. I totally condone it. <laughs> but um, it was his, those big pink and orange paintings were really his. The finale that he, he played the trick by painting them on the prison walls. Mm. Those, those were real art. That was real artwork. I thought it was really gorgeous. And I was like, this can't be, this has to be somebody who's an artist who did this. So I, you know, I went to look it up. 
Um, of course. Yeah. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. They don't call us agents for nothing. That's right. <laughs> I could not find who designed Tilda Swinton's caftan, though. <laughs> Her Mrs. Roper outfit. I really needed to know who made that. It was gorgeous, too. <laughs> I saw someone wrote and called it Canastacor. <laughs> And I was like, is that the designer? I actually didn't Google Canasticore to see if that was, but do you get that? Because yeah. old, old people play Canasticore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was dying. It was so funny. I was like, good, good movie review there, buddy. Um, yeah. So, oh my God. Um, yeah, it was so good. Macbeth was so good. And I even felt, I even felt sad at the end, like interesting emotions. And yet also spooky. I was scared to watch it by myself, but I did. And um, no, it was very, very good. Again, highly recommend. Highly recommend. Yeah, I would recommend it too. And again, as ever, it's interesting to see that Shakespeare is always topical. Because you could look at him as a politician trying to get ahead and doing anything he wants to get power, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the crazy support system of his wife. Oh yeah, yeah. Costumes were really cool too. Beautifully they were, done. They were beautifully done. They were simple, but they were very perfect. They were because it's supposed to be 11th century, so that that has its own challenges as well. I'm not sure they had that highly defined of boots, but I don't know. What do I know? I'll have to go. I'll have to research boots in the 11th century. Yeah. <laughs> However, it I could say? be it could be Shakespeare century since he wrote it in the. 15th century, 16th century. So maybe those boots were then. Yeah. Uh, just a great, great experience. Loved it. I watched an old one the other night. Uh, and I'm thinking it may be, it may be Hitchcock's best film. Wow. Uh, Strangers on a Train, 1959. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, it's, I mean, I, I'm not really one to, <laughs> to do bests and lists, right? Yeah. Um, but geez, I've been disappointed re-watching some Hitchcock mm. in the last couple of years. Mm. Uh, films that I had previously thought were great, um, mm. but just didn't respond to as enthusiastically this time around. Mm. Uh, but this one really held up for me. I thought I agree. it was just, it was, he perfected the genre. I agree. I watched it too. I watched it because I knew you watched it. So I tracked it down. Um, it's fantastic. And speaking of film noir, this is definitely film noir because oh, yeah. there's two characters that probably everybody knows this movie, but two people meet on a train accidentally. Although one, one is a tennis player, the right? other is a psychopath. Or or a rich guy. <laughs> one's wealthy and one's uh, from a very poor town, uh, very rough background. And um, he's making his way. His tennis plane took him out of the small town. His tennis plane made it so that he could start to choose different women. And it's played by Farley Granger. And the um, the person who steals the movie, though, is Robert Walker. I don't yeah. care. I mean, I feel yes. sorry for every actor in that movie next to him. Oh, he yeah. is so brilliant. And is it wrong that I was rooting for him? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If I had to go to a party with either of those guys, guess who I want to go to the party with? I want to go with the Bruno. But I'd like to... I would like to go home from the party too. (laughs) Oh, I definitely want to go home and I wouldn't want him to put his hands on my neck. (laughs) Yes. So they meet on a train and this, this crazy psychopath, as Eugene says, um, tells him, look, 
why I know who you are. I know your life. You're having a, uh, you're having an affair from your wife with this um, uppity woman. Cause everybody uh, knows it. Right? Yeah. Because it's in the papers, I guess. Yeah. And um, it's been published because it's, her father is a Senator. So we start right. to get to know about this. It looks like this guy, Bruno, the psychopath has, I almost had the feeling, did he go and find him first? But no, because he doesn't kick his feet. The other guy comes to his table at the train. He doesn't seek him out, but he knew him already. I had the feeling that maybe he had a dossier on all the famous people. And if he ever ran into one of them and he could blackmail them, he would. That right? could he very well be. Start to, he just saw people as uh, stepping stones to his, his uh, goal, which was to get rid of his father. Having said that, Guy also treated people like stepping stones because he had a wife, then she wasn't good enough for him. And he has this fancy girlfriend who's cold as ice. She's Mm -hmm. just, ugh. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, You know, the two of them, the guy that's the tennis player, he is boring as fuck. And he's got, you know, he's, he doesn't have, he's moral ambiguity, which is right up there with the hero in film noir. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he's he's kind of does want his wife to die. He wants to divorce her and she won't divorce him. And he does kind of want to get rid of her. But he doesn't believe in murder. Whereas our friend Bruno, definitely Bruno definitely believes in murder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's embraced the dark side. Yes, he certainly has. And we see all kinds of their inner life. The, the movie has a whole every character and is just delightful to follow. The, the little sister, the, the, the bad guy's mother. The bad guy's father is cold. Oh, and, and the little sister kind of looks like the girlfriend. Absolutely. Yes. That's right. So they tie the, that. That's a good point because they do. Hitchcock does something where he ties the two men together by um, having their feet shot together at the beginning of the film, having them knock their feet together, and then having things about their hands come between them. Um, guy says on the phone while a train races by that he wants, he tells his new girlfriend, he wants to strangle his wife. And then, and she's going, what, what? And he goes, I just want to murder her and mutilate her. And then they cut to, got to Bruno with his, with his hands being manicured. The camera pulls back and it's his mother <laughs> straight out of psycho. Oh yeah. Yeah. So the homoeroticism also makes the movie awkward oh, as yeah. fuck. It's just quite awkward because guy is deep in the closet. He's picked a woman that he can't be intimate with pretty much. She's just a, she's just not a loving person. And they show them kiss a couple of times and he's just phoning it in. He's not into it at all. <laughs> um, and then Bruno seems to be, he, oh, oh the, the, the good guy seems to really kind of almost care for Bruno. He, Bruno, he, he seems compelled by him at the very least, yeah. at the yeah. very least he's mixed feelings. You know, he kind of hangs out with them kind of trusts them and then is super repulsed, which you could say would be very homoerotic for someone who was not, um, you know, living their true life. They could be struggling with that kind of attraction. And Bruno, well, he, he, he doesn't seem to really care one way or the other about anybody. I mean, I'm not sure if he's got a sexual appetite even. So the other thing that's interesting is that when they have a midway. There's lots of circles because the ex-wife works in a record store where things are spinning. And then you've got this midway where things are spinning. The Ferris yes, and wheel. The, the midway shots were just brilliant. Stunning. Mm-hmm. They were really beautiful. And it's all black and white. Speaking of, so three movies with black and white just now. The French yeah. Dispatch. And although it did break into color occasionally. Um, and Macbeth and the... Um, it's, 
it definitely shows you don't need color to tell, tell a story. That's for sure. Well, and we recently talked also about Belfast, which was mm -hmm. partially black and white. That's right. That's right. Or mostly. So, yeah, very much so. So yeah, this midway is beautiful. And so Bruna has attached himself to this tennis player and decided he is going to kill his ex-wife and he's going to, to, he's in so much denial that he thinks Guy will automatically kill his father for him. Oh, yeah. They, you know, they didn't they didn't make any kind of formal agreement per se. That's right. They so did chat. So Bruno mm -hmm. starts the ball rolling mm -hmm. by doing his part of the bargain that they haven't made. That's right. That's right. And he follows this woman and she is definitely interested in having the attention of men. And she's got two boys with her. We also know quietly and secretly that she's pregnant which played, I don't remember that from the past at all. I did not remember that. So it added this extra bit of horror onto it because you realize he's going to kill two people. Um, he's going to kill her and the baby. Um, and so she's with these two boys. She's getting ice cream. She loves to eat and party. She's just a real party animal, which is nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and Bruna That's right. as, as discussed earlier about how to avoid COVID. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And so she um, she catches the eye of this guy. Um, she sees Bruna, Bruno. I keep calling him Bruna, Bruno. And she kind of flirts with him. And he comes and flirts with her by um, winning, you know, winning this game prize with his strength. And he winks at her and she keeps doing things. And she says where she's going to go. I'm going to go on the Tunnel of Love. I'm going to go to Magic Isle. I'm going to go here, hoping that he will follow and follow he does. She doesn't know he's following her on purpose. And he finally finds her. Isn't that terrible? Magic Isle. It's so gruesome because that's where the death happens. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it just never really recovers. That midway never recovers from the whole movie. It stays with you uh, because we return to it at least and, once and or how twice. Nobody noticed the single guy going to the Tunnel of Love. I know. I'm not I know. sure. I don't know either. And there's some good camera work. You know, I mean, that. and like he was following about as close as as, <laughs> like the, the, as the cops followed the drug dealers in the wire. Yeah. Right? Or, How they didn't he, notice, like there's nine guys with cameras up here. Yeah. Or Jimmy Stewart with uh, Kim Novak. Exactly. Yeah. So he is following really close. It seems very obvious. One fellow does notice him and does think he is peculiar, but we don't really notice that right away. You, you know it, but you don't really know it's going to come into play. So he follows these kids to um, these young people to this island. And he, because she's feeling very flirtatious, she goes off on her own and he catches her and strangles her. And he can see himself in her glasses because her glasses fall off. And the camera moves from her face, just like a sex scene to the fireplace. And it moves to these glasses and we see it acted out in the glasses. It's pretty crazy. I don't even know how they did it. I, it was beautifully done. Very beautifully done. And what was interesting was when he leaves that island and he leaves the midway, he grabs a hold of a blind man and helps him. And the blind man has big, same kind of glasses as her, but blacked out. I just thought that was super oh, bizarre. Yeah. So what, a, you know, I just couldn't help but notice it. And then later when he's getting, he starts to pursue, basically stalk the tennis player because the tennis player is like, no, my wife has died. Don't, you didn't, he can't believe he killed her. And then he said, I'm not killing your father. Now, apparently in Patricia Highsmith's book, have you read that? I have not read that one. Okay. Cause I think he, I think he does kill the father in that one. I'm, I'd be curious oh, to yeah? see if that's true or how they work that out. Again, that would be that very bizarre kind of 
person that uh, let's <laughs> let's sort of put that on on the list for later this year <laughs> to, okay. to uh to read and talk yeah. about yeah that'd be uh, fun because all of her books are wonderful right right so he he's following him and um becoming very involved in his lifestyle they go to this party which is you know, everyone's kind of superficial and boring. The, the real normal world that Guy wants is not that great. Um, you know, at least in the other world, they have the Midway and they have ice cream and they, you know, record stores. This one is like just in a parlor and everybody has to be polite and there's limited conversation, except for our friend Bruno. Bruno brings the life of the party. He's dressed all flashy. He's got some good jokes and stories. He starts to talk about murder, just like we do here on the podcast. <laughs> and um, the daughter has a very similar look to the murdered woman, which triggers our murderer into feeling very more paranoid and guilty. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful movie. Yeah. If you get a chance to uh, to find that one anywhere, um I would say watch it for sure. I think I said it was 1959. It's actually 1951. 51, okay. Yeah, and you 51. know, Farley Granger plays the insipid milk toast boyfriend, the tennis player, and he's in rope. That's right. He's the murderer in rope. And his his performance is very astute for that role in rope. It, it really works. Oh, there were some funny lines in it too, though. Remember, I just wrote this down because I just wanted to remember this. Um, when he's on the train, the, the tennis player has to have an alibi. And he's been on the train, but the guy was drunk. And um, oh, and you know, and, and so he has he can't remember being on the train, his witness. But he's um talk before he talk before they track this witness down, he starts to talk to the father, the senator, and the um and his girlfriend and her little sister. And they're having all these thoughts. And the father is saying, oh, this motive and that motive. And the little girl, she knows everything. She's so smart. And she That's says, great. not everyone's a politician, father, because she nails her father's motives for why he thinks things. He's just caring about his reputation. And yes, at one course. point, um, they go. He, um, the guy, the tennis player says something like, oh, well, don't worry. I was on the train with this guy. He was a professor. And the father, the senator goes, oh, Harvard. And he goes, no, Delaware Tech. And the father looks so disappointed. I mean, Shakespeare, who, I mean, not Shakespeare, Hitchcock, whoever wrote that was so perfect. It was so great because he was such a snob. Harvard? And, <laughs> Delaware uh, of Tech. Course, uh, Hitchcock had a cameo in this one. Mm -hmm. I believe he is carrying a double bass onto a bus. Uh, yeah, that's right. He could barely get on there. Then the double bass kind of mirrors his own stature, if you think of it. So there's two of him getting on that bus. Yeah, I love that little um, smart little sister that's in some old movies. It's yes. just such a great archetype. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a similar She's... character in a number of films. Yeah. The that Philadelphia an story. An interesting group of films to see that it all have be. the uh, the precocious little sister. Yeah, yeah. The Philadelphia story has a great one. With Cary Grant, James Stewart, and Catherine Hepburn. Have you ever seen that one? No, I haven't seen oh. that one. Oh, it's such a good movie. Oh, it's such a good movie. It's great. It's the famous lines where Cary Grant is, I don't know why, I can't remember how he lands up in a bathrobe. And he opens up the door and the woman goes, what are you, what are you doing like that? He goes, I woke up today and I'm suddenly gay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Or is that bringing a baby? Now I'm confused. But the Philadelphia story is much like bringing a baby, madcap 
romance and it's really really good lovely and the little sister is just crazy we saw another madcap film this week that i believe you've seen as well called long shot the long shot uh, maybe yes. i've seen it in the past i don't i don't know if have i seen yes, it yes we, we were texting back and forth about <laughs> seth rogan oh the long shot oh i love that movie i'm so thrilled <laughs> that i'm so thrilled it's, that not, you, it's not long shot it's long shot I know it's so great because um, I, I'm so stunned that you saw a rom-com. <laughs> I know, really. Well, I, I That's try my to, area. I try to go to the, the dark side every now and then <laughs> for the sake of, uh, the, podcast. of the podcast. It oh was the, a delightful it Seth is. Rogen vehicle, right? Oh, I it love was, him. It was just delightful. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the best is Pineapple Express. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's just so ridiculous. But no, this one's yeah, one. but this one's great because it's good chemistry between him and Charlize Theron because they definitely are against type. They're just not suited to each other. <laughs> and yeah. you can just you just yeah. can tell when you see them why would these two ever be together, right? So it actually But it seems to work. You it know? does seem to work. It's perfect. Yeah. That's a um, great movie. Goofy film, okay time waster, a lot of fun. Uh I I those ones they're they're crazy little genre films. They're always worth watching. Yeah, you can see a lot about society in them and, you know, trends that we go through and everything. Um, I, I mean, I'm in the camp of like, I just wish there was more of them. There are not enough of them because I just go through them like bags of chips. And um, the best is the, 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 what do you call it? Real estate porn, Nancy Myers. Um, I follow her on um, Instagram and she posts, there's a, she has a page, Nancy Myers Houses because the houses are incredible. The set direction is so beautiful. And every time I look at it, someone's out there, can't you make another movie? Make what's another the, movie, make another the, movie. What's the real estate porn one called with all the blonde agents? Oh, Selling Sunset. Selling Sunset. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, that one, now I'll never forget it because right. I had no idea there were twins. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't <laughs> realize because you only see one at a yeah. time, right? And oh, and so I had no idea. That's right. You I would be are... doing collages when it would be on in the background. <laughs> so you didn't see them in the same room at the same time, which reminds so. me of speaking of twins. Um, there was a signage in um, Strangers on a Train that I caught and it said, I couldn't read the whole thing of the context. And I didn't want to rewind it, but it said, and treat those two imposters just the same. I don't know where, what the context of that was. It wasn't know. it wasn't from the newspaper. It was like on the top of a store or something or a billboard. I really should watch it again. <laughs> but I couldn't believe it that I had to write it down really in a hurry. Yeah, that's a... I, I could have mistaken detail. it. I could have mistaken it. So I guess we'll find out. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, oh, any Nancy Meyer movie. And most of them have really good script, really good characters. And, and really funny premises. They're the best. Well, they're pretty good. They do feel like an old movie, except they're contemporary. Well, we saw also a, a, a somewhat newer movie from the 90s. Mm -hmm. We can go up to the 90s. Okay. 1993. Um, Sidney Pollack film based on the John Grisham novel, The Firm. Oh, I love that movie. And... Almost all of Hollywood is in the firm. Okay, yeah. it's got uh, Tom Cruise, Jeanne Triplehorn, mm -hmm. Gene Hackman, mm -hmm. Hal Holbrook. Yeah, where did they good. get Hal Holbrook? <laughs> Ed Harris, Gary Busey, 
and Holly Hunter, who we've just been watching as Rhea in Succession. There you go. She uh, um, got an Oscar for that role, actually. Yeah, I believe she yeah, did. She yeah. was great in it. She is so and, good in it. Uh, and totally the other guy is David Strong. David Strong. He plays the brother to Tom Cruise. Ah. Yeah, who's in prison, yeah. I think, and then he gets yes. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what a great movie. Um, you know what? That's a case of the movie being better than the book. Because I had read the book. And what the movie does is it finds a better ending. Uh, in the book, they really have to go into witness protection or disappear. But the book came up with the idea of, of postal fraud. That right. was not in the book. That's in the, in the movie. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. And so they don't have to go and hide or anything. Um, oh, I love that movie. It's just got a little, it, it, it really is, um, it's got a little suspense in it. It's a mystery. Yes. And there's um, tension. It's beautifully acted by everybody. It it's is. really well scripted. The pace is great. It's yes. a lot of fun. The cast is super likable. There's just no reason to not go watch this film right away. Right. And this is a role where Tom Cruise is, it, this is a Tom Cruise vehicle. It's perfect for who he is. At that really time, is. especially. Yes, especially as a young time. man. I yes. think it was yeah. just right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that whole playing around with the, the preppy fetish that people people wanted to be preppies. They wanted to be yuppies and, and make money and you'll do anything for a buck. So it's really good that way. And the premise is so clever. Um, I, I'm assuming everyone's seen it. I don't know, but I just love the premise. You could it's, give, I think, a, a, a plot synopsis. It's 1993. So. And I don't think you know, you're going to ruin the ending. No, I don't think so. Cause I think everyone's probably seen this movie. Seen it. it's, exactly. it's on TV all the time. And um, so, yeah, he gets a job. He comes out of law school and they're really broke. They have a beat up car. They can barely pay rent him and his wife, Jean Triplehorn. And um, basically he gets this job. It almost falls in his lap. It's so incredible. And he really wants it. Or does he, and maybe he's twisted up about it. I think she might be saying, Oh, do you want that lifestyle? But they decide to take this job and it might be in somewhere like Memphis or New Orleans, right? It's Memphis. Yes. It's Memphis. There you go. I haven't seen it in a while, but um, it's in Memphis, which is really cool. Now that I think about it, that's such a good idea for a location. And it turns out it's a very wealthy um, law firm and how. And they only have one, one client. <laughs> it's, it's, the mafia. it's the mafia. <laughs> And they will do anything to protect themselves, as we would know. That's right. And, we, um, we start seeing lawyers getting knocked off. Yeah. Yeah. And there's some good chase scenes. Uh, oh, my God. It's just as well, there's a lot of great comic relief. There really uh, is. And particularly, Holly Hunter is a scream. She really is a scream. She's, she's really wonderful she's throughout. Yeah. And, and Gary, know, Busey Gary Busey is great. Like he, he was just there to introduce Holly Hunter. Yeah, he was. Who, when yeah. he got killed, she was hiding under the table. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and children, cover your ears. <laughs> what are you having to drink right now? I am having sparkling water with lime. Oh, I, I actually poured some Glenlivet. Hmm. But I'm really not. What a smart idea. I know. I'm not dousing it back or anything like that. I'm just like really sipping it. I, uh, the first couple of sips, I had a bit of a head rush. So <laughs> <laughs> to slow that down. <laughs> hey, we also saw another film, which, I mean, it was a turkey, okay? Okay. 
but it happens. It, Look at all the great ones. You've got to do it. Exactly. Yeah. But it was strangely compelling. Like <laughs> I couldn't stop watching it. And uh-huh. as I was watching it, I was thinking, man, what a turkey this one is. But I couldn't <laughs> turn it off. Oh, that's funny. Uh, it was called I Walk the Line from 1970. Oh, I feel uh, like we talked about that last week. Did we talk about it last week? I don't know. I thought we did. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, well, Johnny Cash never music. Never mind. I'm not talking about it. That's twice. okay. I do it too, though, because I even think we talked about the firm before. No, we didn't, did we? No, I don't know. I hope not. I challenge somebody Sorry. to come up with the episode. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> I thought it was this week that I that I watched that film. No, last week. I'm pretty sure we talked about it last week. And if not, we'll talk about it next week. So the I'll have days, to go back and look. I the know. days fly away, Ooh, as Charles yeah. Bukowski wrote, like wild horses over the hills. That's right. I throw my notes away. I have to. <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, that, that ended All I have is last, week, last week's I know. Win, that, you know? that ended rather badly. <laughs> and, <laughs> and two days of shoveling snow. <sighs> oh, I'm still sore funny. from that. I bet you are. No freaking doubt. I'm just seeing if I have anything else here in my notes. I don't. (laughs) But I did want to, how about cooking? What are you cooking? Are you off the whole comfort food diner right now or what? Well, we, uh, we made a a vegetarian chili the other day, um, which was pretty yummy. And to go along with it, we made uh, skillet cornbread. Oh, nice. Very nice. That sounds like a perfect. Yes. And so. Uh, so vegetarians cover your ears. Okay. Uh, the skillet cornbread was was made by first frying up bacon <laughs> in a cast iron pan till it was crispy, taking it out and crumbling it to put into the batter. Mm. So bacon in the cornbread. But then the whole cast iron pan with the bacon fat goes back into the oven. Again, mm. super hot while you prepare your your wet ingredients and your dry ingredients. Nice. And then you pull it out and you pour it into the hot pan so it cooks <laughs> in the bacon fat. Yummy. It can't well, be good for you. It's probably yeah. like death in a pan. It sounds but... really good. I think it might be problematic if you started putting butter on it as well or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, everything's like, better with butter. I do like butter on kind of cornbread. <laughs> So I, I've made a couple of soups. That's what I've been doing because I'm trying. You know, this is my attempt to, to change this diet around. And soup is very rewarding. It feels like you eat a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, you're not. So I made an asparagus, potato soup, all in the crock pot. I made a, I roasted some cauliflower for another soup, all in the crock. After it was roasted, throw it. Actually, you can cook that for about 10 minutes on the stove with sauteed onions. It's so simple. And vegetable stock. And I've got all these great spices and herbs that I got from a great place called the Spice House up in Old Town in uh, Chicago. It's the greatest fresh, fresh spices that it ruins me for grocery store spices. They're so good. They come in packages. They're vacuum sealed. And um, you just you can almost smell them from outside the package. <laughs> that uh, I totally good. get that. Yeah. I used to go to that little store in uh, in Kensington Market, the one mm. that was by the alleyway that led to the that funny little parking lot right um right by the hungary tie uh mm. is it house of spice yeah, and you'd walk in there and there's you could smell oh, like yeah. everything it'd be that's so good for you it's good for the people that work there it's very healthy you're I always bet it is. you're you're yeah. always getting all those uh 
her herps in your it's, in your nostrils and it's stuff. It's been a while since yeah. I've been down there to the Kensington market. So are you gonna start smoking some weed? <laughs> <laughs> what to ward off the uh yeah, the COVID? The COVID, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm waiting for, for some more trials happen first. All right. <laughs> you could go volunteer for them. <laughs> if it, yeah i i wonder how is it the strong weed or is it weak weed or is well, it eaten, i don't or i is don't it know THC i mean or CBD? it's probably like has to be hemp yeah probably has to be hemp or something i don't yeah. know i don't know either you know I but know it either. just caught my eye right yeah I yeah. couldn't let that one just go by. Because <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if yes. the only thing that ended the pandemic was everybody gets high? And, and that would explain why all the protesters didn't get COVID. <laughs> <laughs> the, the protesters wore masks and social distanced, unlike the uh, the uh, insurgents. <laughs> Your agents, are, I think, are losing it this podcast. I think so. <laughs> I think that the, my Glenn Levin is starting to kick in. <laughs> yeah, I'm boring because I've just been reading and, uh, and and enjoying it. And then I was like, okay, oh, my God, you have to watch this. Oh, my God, you have to watch that. So I've been doing homework. It's really like I've been in homework land. And I could do this every day, all the time with the reading and creative. I, I made I sure. put a table in the front room. I'll, I'll post a picture of it because it just looks so cute. I had these two lamps that were in a workbench. My... You got a workbench. No, it's a table bench, but it is a workbench. But I was thinking jigsaws or maybe collage, just a different work area, just to mix it up a bit. And we have this fireplace. It's a gas stove. We never use it. It's just decorative. It's left over from bygone days. And um, so we have a bunch of stuff on it. And um, I just cleaned it up and put a table there. And I had these two lamps that I had stored in the closet for ages that I brought back with me from Toronto. And I just put them on there and plugged them in and it looks just adorable. It's really cheered me up. And then I threw out all kinds of things like extra. My daughter said I should throw out all um, materials for collage, but I can't do that. <laughs> I keep them contained in a in like one Pandora's me box. Me too. I have one, I have a box that I put them in and when that, and I use it up and then I, I refill it again. It doesn't go beyond that. I cannot say the same for steak. I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> I'm taking a collage break because I did this book underground, oh, yes. which, uh, which I posted about mm -hmm. and um, it was daily collage work for a really long time. Um, and I, I finished it and now I want to start another book, but I, it's important to get the right book. Mm, mm. Like if you start into the wrong book, it would ruin everything. Oh, I see. Well, right. Cause you're using actual um, books actual that are maybe books vint that... vintage or old books or yeah. do you have to have a certain type of page or page number? I don't you... know. I, the, okay. I don't know what the criteria is, except that I'll know it when I see it. Yeah. Do you tear out every other page or anything like that? Um, in the last one, I tore out many pages, yeah, probably about so. a third of the pages. Yeah, and even sense. then I had to rebuild the binding because <laughs> the, the collages were so thick. Oh, God. And what'd you do? Like, Put duct tape on the, on the edge of it or something? Well, when you say I, uh, rebuild the binding, re-glue it? Well, what I did was I created a new back out of cardboard and I glued a piece of cloth to each side of the back and oh. then glued the other side of the piece of cloth to the frontispiece of the book. 
Okay. And and what do you call the frontispiece piece that's on the back? Is that the backus piece? I don't know. <laughs> Appendice? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So <laughs> the index. in any case, uh, I I put a new spine on it. Okay. And before I did, I um I added um some structural support to the uh the actual pages because they were first of all it was a book that's from the like the 30s or something it's a really mm -hmm. old book and the pages are super delicate and some of them were starting to come out so i got a hot glue gun and mm -hmm. i filled up all the gaps with hot glue mm. uh, and then i very carefully bent it back so you could open it again after mm -hmm. Well, but it kind of worked. Kind of impressive. Hey, you know, speaking of books again, because there's a lot of books in the French Dispatch, I forgot to say something about the town. Do you remember what the title of the town is? Oh, I don't remember now. It was Ennui sur right. Lazé. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Which for um, American listeners means boredom on apathy. <laughs> boredom <laughs> on apathy. <laughs> so maybe I'm thinking that it's appropriate that you don't feel attached to the narrative. Because um, in a way, they didn't have that kind of action-packed lives. It was it, their yeah, lives. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm sort of yeah. kind of halfway accepting your point on that. All right. You know, I, I don't want to fully <laughs> accept your point because I know. then you could just say, that, well, it was a bad movie on purpose. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if it was a bad movie. I think it wasn't a gripping movie, uh, narratively. I didn't have a plot grip to it at I all. I don't think I said it was a bad movie. No, I don't think, I don't, I thought you, uh, you didn't say it was a bad movie. <laughs> you did not say it was a bad movie. You said, I don't want to agree that it was like, because it was boring on purpose and a bad movie. Therefore, it could be a bad, not a bad movie. But you did not say it was a bad movie, no. <laughs> I just forgettable. I said it was forgettable. Yeah, that's yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Did you like Grand Budapest Hotel? No. No. Okay, because I thought that nostalgia had that bittersweetness to it. The story was way more developed, obviously. No, the and, one uh, I liked was the one with the dogs, Isle of Dogs. Oh, Isle of Dogs. Yeah. That's a good yeah. one. That's and there beauty. was another one. Did it have to do with camping? Mm -hmm. That was moon, kind of fun. Moonrise. Moonrise. I forgot the name of it. Camp Moonrise or something. Also really, really weird and quirky, but yes. fun. Yeah. 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 I think and you have I to think... really like the novel. They say you have to really like the writer, the novel, Franny and Zooey. And I really do. And these movies are very much like that J.D. Salinger family. They're just quirky, eccentric, and they they're, they're they think they're really smart. <laughs> they probably are really smart too. Yes. Never mind. No, what? I was just going to make another point about I walked the line, and then I realized <laughs> I already talked about it last week. I'm not going to keep going back to this. Well, if you didn't make it last week, no, that maybe that's a good sign that you're still thinking about it. You know, those bad movies sometimes they are very entertaining. You know, they do stick with you. Well, it was entertaining, yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think what really made it bad was just that that Gregory Peck was just so incredibly badly cast in it. Right. He was just like the wrong actor for that character. Right, right. And right. It, that and their idea of a soundtrack was to take little-known Johnny Cash tunes <laughs> and, and stick them in the background. Well, they probably, he was really on the radio a lot, right? Was it really, he was a big pop star at the time, I think. 
more yeah, than we was, more than we think really of him. Ones. Oh, they weren't more than we think of him, even though he was still selling tons of records and had a following. That was really his era. Yeah, maybe they, maybe they thought the little roughneck wild bunch kids would really like that music. Like a well, motorcycle I, I, I'm sure that that's yeah. that's why they did it because <laughs> some people would go to see the film just because of the Johnny Cash yeah aspect of it. Yeah, probably is All it. Right. <laughs> well, is well, it that time? That's all I got. I think that's it. Um, I think we did a lot. Three movies. Oh, my God. <laughs> kind of excited about that. And um, I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. All and right. we'll be back at you next week. Don't forget, you can email us anytime at theagency.podcast the agency. <laughs> at gmail.com. There you I go. I believe is our email address. Yay. And we love getting emails yeah, hey, we had we one for we had what? one that i i missed reading oh it was, bring it out quick i'm gonna bring it up yeah just hang okay. on it was from andy oh um and i meant to to read it last oh, week okay and i didn't so um perfect let me just pull it up <laughs> and here. just listen for a minute guys while he digs up well, his email <laughs> yeah well he opens his email and, yeah it's coming it'll happen <laughs> here it comes all right all right we have a, a friendly reminder that our premium antivirus subscription has been renewed oh, well, i'm so glad we they have, reminded us we've that. got some um <laughs> we've got some security alerts uh-huh okay yeah um <laughs> I'll just drink my glint and move it while you keep looking for it. Here, I'll just, I'll cheer myself here. There we go, sound effects. Um, I'm like a folio, folio artist. Yeah, well, you know, it's like <laughs> there, there were multiple emails and so some of this won't make sense. Okay. Um, so that's really something about your uncle. It seems he would have been an interesting person to know. Mm. And yes, I would say those instruments are well out of my snack bracket as well. Mm -hmm. I had mentioned my uncle Eugene. Yeah, that he made violins. Yes. In Chicago, Indiana area. That's right. Yeah. And, and Chesterton, Indiana is there you where go. I finally settled. Okay. Um, I have tried very little woodworking, and I believe I have the cheapest set of chisels money can buy, <laughs> as well as some very cheap sharpening stone. <laughs> as a very cheap sharpening stone that said i've been collecting sticks and interesting pieces of wood on oh, and off for years and i'm it. in the middle of a lamp project that sounds interesting okay that does sound interesting i had to do some major cutting and chiseling uh on with none of the right tools uh i do appreciate that it all feels very primal cutting and grinding away for hours on end Who's going to win this battle of wills, me or this hunk of wood? <laughs> I also acquired a couple spools of Mitchell's abrasive cord, which I believe is common in shops where fine wood instruments are made. Hmm. Hmm. I've never heard of such a thing. I had no idea Graham Yost had such a pedigree. More than anything, <sighs> I'm fascinated by the name Elwee. I don't <laughs> yeah. think I've ever heard that name, but he sounds like a fun fellow. Oh my anyway, God. Take care and good luck with the fiddle making. Yeah. I wonder if there's any 
TVO playing any of those shows or YouTube because he was just fantastic. I yeah, haven't I had, even gone to look even. I had sent um, in reply to his previous email. Mm. I said here in the Toronto area, the name Yost is very familiar because mm. for many years, Elwee Yost, Graham's dad, hosted Saturday Night at the Movies on TV Ontario. That's right. Elwee would show two movies on a Saturday night and sandwiched in between would be in-depth interviews with film experts and some actors. Mm -hmm. The show became popular because it was simply fabulous. So they sent Elwee to Hollywood to do lots more interviews with stars, writers, editors, and just about anybody else he could talk to. Around here, Elwee Yost became a household name yep. and everybody I know loved him. Yep, yep, it was fantastic. And it, you, you would stay home on Saturday. If you went to the club, you went out after, it was over at midnight. I mean, it was really a fantastic program. It was um, a thing. It was a thing. The other good program was Brian Linehan. I mean, most oh, people yeah. will know Brian Linehan from SCTV and Martin Short imitating him, but he was a real guy and he was fantastic. He was something else. Yeah, He would he, know stuff about the people he interviewed <laughs> that they hardly knew. He was kind of a precursor to James Lipton, actually. Um, but he would, all of a sudden, they'd be sitting there and they'd go, remember when your mother gave you this when you were 12 years old? They'd be, what the fuck? They would be in shock. Like, and then he'd say, and then you did this in 1974. And it would be some, like, I don't know, a camping trip or a random activity. And he knew everything. And I think a lot of, a lot of uh, entertainers like to be interviewed by him because yes. he didn't just ask the usual publicist questions. Correct. And he was um, very intimate and, and adoring. He adored them. And he also, he had great style and flair. He was a personality. He, did, he would have been great at a dinner party. I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. And, and he was he a little really, bit bitchy too. He had a little bitchy <laughs> vibe about him. I don't know if he was. Sorry, Brian Lanham and your he was family. On City, wasn't he? Didn't, was didn't it he City? kind of come up with uh, with oh, City TV? Was it City uh, TV? I don't remember. I thought it was TVO, but it could have been City. The two channels I had. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, but he had this little kind of. He was never rude, but he had a thing. It, it, you know, you just know it when you see it. <laughs> but it, I like that. It's like why I like the bad guy in. Um, strangers on a train i mean those are the guys you want to kind of have a coffee with they're um more intriguing he had more joy to be i mean honestly i think that was bad casting farley granger in that role but having said that he was supposed to be milk toasty mm -hmm. he's supposed to be anyway going back to that movie um oh i love that how fantastic i just wrote andy a note today and sent it in the mail and um i'm just very so pleased to be reconnected and hear from him Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you are inspired, it, can you tell by now, listeners, that there's no limit to what we are interested in talking about and hearing about from you? You could talk Absolutely. about anything from your your mediocre tools to um, whatever you're working on. <laughs> what you're cooking. <laughs> what you're cooking, what you're reading. Um, if we can't read it, we'd just like to hear about it. That's about it. Thank you, you next week. so much. Thank you.